Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Fan of History. I am the Fan of History, and with me is another Fan of History, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Yeah, what are we doing here? Well, Dan, this is the inaugural episode of our Fan of History podcast. We're going to start tonight with our podcast on the world in 1000 BC, and we're going to cover world history moving forward uh, about a decade at a time, uh, except for some really exciting periods where we'll take a little bit more time, slow down, and talk about those uh, in more detail. And I also want to add that this podcast is a supplement to our YouTube channel, Fan of History. Uh, I've been doing that since uh, March, and uh, it's sort of a little ahead of this. But uh, doing this on the podcast gives me a chance to uh, uh, correct myself and also get uh, your feedback and input. So... I think this will be interesting. The podcast will be quite different from the YouTube show because the YouTube show has graphics. But uh, if you want to know what's happening uh, after this, uh, sort of the 990s, 980s, etc., you can check out the YouTube show if you don't. If you can't wait for the next episode of the podcast. And then you'll see all the errors I will correct as well. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get down to 1000 BC, 3000 years ago. Uh, and I chose this time specifically because it's the Dark Age, and it's an age that not many people know a lot about. So it's a great age for us to get started on. Because nobody can correct us. Yay! Uh, we have a world with uh, 50 million inhabitants. Um, that's Yeah, I just wanted to throw in that that's... Uh... Compared to today, in the United States alone, there are over 300 million people, and worldwide there are 6 billion. So uh, there's a lot more people living today than at this time, um, just to kind of give you an idea of now versus then. Yeah, there's more people living in California today than there was in the entire world mm -hmm. at that time. 
In 1000 BC, most of our knowledge of most areas of the world comes from pottery and archaeology. It's uh, few regions of the world that actually has recorded history, and we will focus mostly on those. I want to mention a book that most of you have heard about. It's called The Bible, and it has a part called The Old Testament. And The Old Testament contains a lot about this period. But archaeology does not confirm what's written in the Old Testament. Uh, and other historical sources does not confirm what's written in the Old Testament for the year 1000 BC. But soon the Old Testament will be confirmed by other sources. And that will happen in the year 884 BC. So we will not talk about King David or King Solomon. And we will sort of defer to the historians here and not mention them as historic facts which they very very well might be so okay so now that we kind of have some some statistics on the the world as a whole uh what's going on in some specific areas um like china i have been trying to uh, to find the population number for china but the only source i found states that half of the world's people are living in the fertile Plains, China, and they are led by the Su Dynasty. Uh, its king is King Kang. No, he's not a giant monkey. <laughs> he is <laughs> the third king of the Su Dynasty, and they, the Su themselves control a very small state in China. And they, there are thirteen other states that uh, are their vassals, because the Su have the mandate of heaven. In an epic battle about 40 years before this, uh, the Su wrested the power in China from the Shang dynasty. And to motivate this act, they said that obviously we have the mandate of heaven. And the mandate of heaven is a very complicated thing because heaven is not the Christian heaven. It's sort of an entity. But whoever, if you try to usurp power in China and you succeed, obviously the gods and heaven are behind you. But if you fail, you were not meant to rule China. So the Su are saying that they are the right rulers for China. But they're also saying if anybody can usurp them successfully, they were obviously the right rulers. It's a two-edged sword. Uh, they're still extremely strong. And uh, King Kang has an iron grip on China. He's a good and um, benef- uh, benevolent ruler. And uh, China is doing great, actually, at this time. But that will change soon. Okay. So so uh, half the population is living in China. Um, what's going on in some of the other uh, regions of the world? Like, Tell me about uh, like Egypt. Uh, yeah, most of the other people are living in Egypt and in Mesopotamia. The fertile river valleys. Um, all of the Middle East, including Egypt, had a pretty bad experience at around 1200 BC. And that's called the Bronze Age Collapse. And I very much want to cover that later. Because the Bronze Age Collapse is one of the most fascinating things in world history. Because civilization ends in Europe, in Asia, pretty much in, in Western Asia. And every, all the big states of 1200 BC collapse and are destroyed and there follows a, a 
almost a 400 year period of uh, darkness and civilization actually takes several steps backwards so the world of 1300 BC is a lot more civilized than the world of 1000 BC and at the shores of Egypt in the Nile Delta Pharaoh Ramses III stopped the collapse by himself with the Egyptian army in an epic battle so Egypt survived better than anybody else did in, uh, in the Middle East at this time, Egypt is already very, very, very old. The pyramids are 1,500 years old. Uh, the old middle and the new kingdom are gone. We are in what Egyptologists call the third intermediary period. That's not a good thing. Uh, the pharaoh is... I can't pronounce this guy. Amenemope. He is of the 21st dynasty of rulers in Egypt. He's the son of Susanus I. Susanus I was a really great pharaoh, but uh, Amenemope is sort of not doing a whole lot. He has, uh, the 21st dynasty has lost half its power to the high priest of Amun, who rules upper Egypt from Thebes. Thebes is, uh, uh, if you go from the Mediterranean down the Nile, almost uh, more than half the way through Egypt, you will find Thebes. So the the inner land of Egypt, the upper land, the southern land is ruled by the high priest. And overall Egypt is doing its thing, trying to pretend like nothing has changed because not much has changed uh, in art, etc. But all their neighbors are gone, so they don't have anybody to trade with. They don't have the whole Bronze Age network they did have. And they have to resort to uh, robbing the tombs of kings to finance things, which they do sort of without writing about it. So I just have a quick question, Dan, uh, before we before we uh, move on. Yeah. The pyramids are fifteen hundred years old already. That's the the pyramids of Giza that uh, yeah. you're you're mentioning. Yeah. Are, are there any pyramids from this era, or is that kind of an era that's already passed? No, actually they, they stopped building pyramids and pyramid building will research some of the time, mostly in Kush actually after this, but um, the pyramid, they discovered that if you build a pyramid and put your tomb in it, everybody knows where the tomb is, so it's easy to rob. So as soon as your vigilance lapse, for, for example the pyramids of Giza, they stayed unrobbed for hundreds of years, but then Egypt collapsed for the first intermediate period, and then they were robbed. So if you hide your tomb instead, then it's harder to rob. So these kings are buried in uh, Tanis, in the north, in the delta, in hidden uh, tombs. So they are not even buried in the Valley of the Kings. That's also a new kingdom thing. Um... Okay, so you mentioned Kush. Yeah, Kush is an interesting place. During the New Kingdom, uh, the New Kingdom was two, three hundred years before this. It ended in uh, the early 12th century BC. And during the New Kingdom, Egypt was bigger than ever. And it controlled the land to the south called Kush or Nubia. And you can see very clearly that the people of Kush are different in the uh, in the pictures of the Egyptians because the Egyptians are always depicted as fairly light-skinned, whereas the Kush, the Nubians, are entirely black. 
that the influence of Egypt on Kush and the rivalry have been going on for a long time. Kush is almost as old. But now when the new kingdom has fallen, Kush has sort of learned how to run a successful Egypt-like state. So there's an Egypt-like state south of Egypt, and it is growing stronger, while Egypt itself is growing weaker. So that's probably a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, after the Bronze Age collapse, which we will discuss in another show, uh, there are invasions by barbarian tribes, pretty much, that take over the areas of the old empires in the Middle East. Um, they are the Arameans, the Phrygians, the Philistines, that you might recognize from the Bible. And in the Sagros Mountains of, the, uh, of Iran, there are Indo-European tribes coming in from the steppes. Uh, some of them are the Manians, the Medes, and a little tribe called the Persians that we might uh, learn more about in the future. I know a little bit something about the Persians. I know in uh, uh, the 400s BC, they uh, get into a little scuffle when they try to take over the world when they run into Leonidas and the Spartans. Yes. Yeah. And at this time, they are a, a barbarian tribe uh, riding around in the Sagros Mountains and harassing other barbarian tribes, pretty much. You will find when we get there that this conflict is uh, not very important for Persia, and that uh, Persia will rise in the 7th century BC. Okay. With one of the great supermen of history, Cyrus the Great. But that's for, like, in 35 episodes, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want to mention especially the Arameans, because the Arameans will play the role of orcs in this podcast pretty much. They are everywhere all over the Middle East, like from Syria, Palestine, all the way to Iran. And they don't like living in cities. So they are like, they are roaming the countryside, uh, stealing everything that's not locked down, burning, people, burning people's villages, and just causing chaos. And they have kept the almost all of the Middle East in a terror grip for 200 years already. And if you remember, the language of Jesus Christ is uh, Aramaic, and that's from these guys. So we'll talk more about their language later. Who are some of the groups that survived the collapse of the Bronze Age? It's still, this is 200 years after the collapse, so the collapse was very, very, uh, a very, very strong influencing factor. Oh, wow. Yeah, 200 years is a really long time. Even uh, I, I would think that the economy, you know, the, the whole uh, economy would move a little bit slower just because, you know, there wasn't the technology they have today. Yep. But uh, 200 years is still a, a very, very long time. Yeah, it will be only in the uh, sort of early 9th century, basically, that the trading network starts to recover. So they were down for 300 years. And one of the reasons they do recover are the Phoenicians. The Phoenicians is a Canaanite people living in city-states, very well-defended city-states, on the Levantine coast. And the Levant is the coast of Syria and Palestine, and Israel pretty much, the, the, the eastern coast of the Mediterranean. And these city-states were so well-defended, they actually survived uh, the Bronze Age collapse. One of the big things in the Bronze Age collapse were sea raiders called the Sea Peoples that just arrived and destroyed everything. 
that they didn't get the Phoenicians. And the Phoenicians are traders. They are much like uh, this traveling trading people that wants to go everywhere, trade with everyone. And they want to go by boat. Uh, so they discovered they had been suppressed by the Hethite Empire in the north and by Egypt in the south. But now Egypt is beaten down and the Hethites are dead. So the Phoenicians have a golden age in 1000 BC actually. They are trading in the Mediterranean mostly. But they are waiting for the the Middle Eastern trade routes to open up and they are rich and powerful. What kind of I'm just curious what kind of uh, what kind of trade was there? I'm assuming it's a lot of uh, uh, you know spices and food and um, uh, you know a lot of necessities. Actually, they, their speciality is getting powerful kings luxury items. So okay. their tactic for surviving, uh, they they survived this battle between the Heptites and the e- Egyptians in the 13th century BC by selling luxury items to both camps, pretty much. So they, they trade in anything they can trade in. Okay. And they are a very fascinating culture. I will actually try to prove in the 7th century BC that the Phoenicians circumsailed uh, Africa. That they were 2,000 years before Vasco da Gama. Uh, you have probably heard a lot about Babylon. Uh, the ancient city of Babylon, sort of the, the most important city of Mesopotamia. It has survived the Bronze Age collapse, but it has survived barely. Babylonians in their in their cities, they are, they are there are Arameans everywhere in the countryside, just destroying stuff. Uh, the Babylonians, I believe, they are masters at record keeping. Oh, I wanted to mention about the Phoenicians that they write on paper, so all the records are gone. So we don't know a lot about the Phoenicians. We know a lot less than we want. Because everything they say, everything they've written down, and they, they wrote down a lot, but it's all gone. But in Babylon, people are writing on clay tablets. So we have a lot of Babylon writing. But during this time, Babylon is... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So weak. 
that they have quit writing, that they don't they don't um, put down, they don't record what's going on because they are pretty much depressed and weak. So Babylon is around as a country, but it's extremely weak. And it's constantly harassed by Arameans. So it's sort of like after the after Armageddon for the Babylon. They, they live, but they don't have a lot of what they once had. And to their north is another uh, state, which is, which is pretty much in the same shape, and that's Assyria. Assyria controls the northern part of the Tigris-Euphrates uh, river plains. Not the area between the two great rivers of Mesopotamia. To the north, where it's not plains anymore. Babylon con- controls the sou- southern part, near the Gulf, where it is plains. And uh, Assyria controls the northern part, which is a bit... Actually, much nicer than the southern part, but it can't. It doesn't have all this fantastic soil that you can get. You can get four harvests a year from um, the southern uh, river plains, and in the north the terrain is much varied. But in the north there are iron in the hills, and this is the start of the Iron Age. And nobody is better at doing iron things now than Assyria. And Assyria is a very special place because they have been around for 2,000 years almost. They've been around much longer than Babylon. And they, there's, their main city is Asher. They worship Asher, the god of war. Their main city is named after him. And they are actually, they refer to themselves as the people of Asher. And the term Assyrians are a Greek thing. But for 2,000 years they have defended this very, very exposed city sort of there, there are raiders coming down from the mountains to the east there are horse people coming down from the russian steppes there are armenians everywhere and to the south is bob london everybody has been fighting them for two thousand years so they are really really used to war and now they are forging iron weapons and building a military that is much stronger was per soldier an assyrian soldier is the best soldier you can have and so, and we'll we'll hear more about the the Assyrians and their uh, their army uh, in the next uh, hundred years or so. Uh, yes, in nine eleven BC, things will happen in Assyria. Okay. Uh, right now, it's ruled by Ashurabi the second, and he is of the ancient line of Assyrian kings. They actually claim like several hundred kings before him, and Ashurabi the second just lost two important cities close to the Euphrates at its western border. He lost two very important cities controlling the river crossing to the Arameans. And those Arameans are behaving a bit different than the others because the Arameans to the west of Assyria they have already um, the Hittite Empire that fell in the Bronze Age collapse it has remains in northern Syria. And those remains are called the Neo-Hittites. And they are trying to go on as if the Hittite Hittite Empire was still there. And in some way, nobody knows how, they have managed to uh, try to civilize the Arameans that are next to them. So the Arameans are in the Neo-Hittite area, that's northern Syria. They are behaving differently than other Arameans. So they are sort of moving into cities, they are adapting Neo-Hittite style. 
and they are growing the Neo-Hittite uh, forces. But also when the Aramaeans get civilized by the Neo-Hittites, they lose their fighting edge a bit. But uh, these, the people that stole the cities from Ashurabi II of Assyria, they are uh, Neo-Hittite Aramean mixed breeds, pretty much. Any questions? No, I'm just, well, I'm curious. We talk mostly about, you know, uh, what's today is Asia. What's going on in the Americas right now? Yeah, the disappointing fact about America is that pretty much the Stone Age is going on in America. There is a culture in Mexico called the Olmecs that was discovered quite early. It's highly civilized. And it's the only real civilization in America. They have writing and we cannot read the writing. It's not like any language we have ever seen. So we don't know what they're writing about. And that's one of the big mysteries of this era. What are the Olmecs writing? They have extremely interesting art. They are super advanced when it comes to art. And that, that comes off better in the YouTube show when I can actually show the art. Uh, they don't have the wheel. And there's a big debate whether they have human sacrifice. Um, the Aztecs, which will come much later, Almost all of their culture comes from the Olmecs. So the Olmecs are their ancestors. And they're based mainly around a place called... They have ceremonial cities. It seems that people do not live in these cities, but they come to the cities to do religious things. And the biggest one is close to modern-day San Lorenzo. And these are open cities. They don't have walls, and uh, they have a lot of temples. And they have like uh, running water and stuff. It's highly advanced. And on the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico, the Maya is around, but they are like not the very civilized people compared to the Olmecs. So they, they are Olmecs. They are trading with the Olmecs, but they are way behind. It's it, we we used to believe that the Olmecs were the first culture of America. But it turns out that there is a much earlier, very advanced culture in Peru that was discovered in uh, ten years ago, pretty much that we didn't know about. So uh, called the Norte Chico, but they are gone uh, in one thousand BC. But soon somebody will pick up the torch in Peru. I, I had a question about uh, about the they don't have the wheel. The Olmecs don't have the wheel in in uh, Mexico. Nobody does in uh, South America or in America at all. I think actually the wheel arrives with the Spaniards. Okay, so does the rest of the does the does Asia have have the wheel as as pretty much yes. a universal thing? Yes, you can say you can say that there is actually. Ideas will flow between uh, Europe and the Middle East and China, but it takes a long time. So, for example, China doesn't have iron. And what, what I think we should do is we should take uh, we should get some of the art from the uh, some of the Olmec art because it's it's the you know most advanced in the world at this point, and we should put some on our on our website. Uh, we'll we'll mention. It's hard to say this is most advanced, yeah. but it's one of okay. the most advanced at the time. Yeah, and so otherwise Egyptologists will beat me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll we'll uh, put a link in the show notes and uh, at the end, and we'll um, uh, we'll post those on our website. Uh, there is a culture in North America that sort of Americans very much like to be a civilized culture, uh, but they don't have records. It's the 
poverty point culture. And we'll talk about them in our 9.30s episode. And we have an American coming on uh, uh, who will uh, talk about them. Um, okay. Well, that's, oh, that's great. Uh, what's going on in, uh, in Europe at this time? <laughs> Not a lot. <laughs> Actually, Europe has had civilizations. There has been the great, uh, um, the great Minoan civilization on Crete. Uh, Greek ha- Greece has been very civilized, but those civilizations have been destroyed. So Europe has been thrown back into darkness, and actually the Greeks have forgotten how to write. And when the Greeks learn to write again, which will not happen in a while, they uh, have an entirely new language, a new alphabet, and everything. Oh wow! So there's actually two Greek, two separate Greek languages. Yes, but the old one is lost. Uh, the um, the Mycenaean culture that was also destroyed in the Bronze Age collapse. They are the the culture of Agamemnon and of the uh, the Trojan War. But they are all gone, except Athens. Athens seems to have survived. It's the same people living in Athens, or the people of the same. It's still sort of the ancestor of the Mycenaean Athenian people are still living in Athens, but they have lost their writing, they have lost their trading networks, and they lost most of their population. Athens is a very small town. And it's very, very hard to get a picture of what life is like in Athens in 1000 BC, but Athens is there. Uh, in Italy, there is an interesting people called the Villanovans, but they haven't really... They are also in a dark age. They are sort of in their first stage. They have an early egalitarian state. That is, they don't have an upper class. But they are in northern Italy and they will come out of the dark age before anyone else in Europe. All over Europe there is something called the Urnfield culture. It's sort of an archaeology, archaeology, uh, umbrella name. For a lot of cultures that bury their dead in urns, and they don't have written records. So, so uh, you'd say uh, technology-wise, and uh, pretty much in every way, Europe's really kind of behind the rest of the world at this point in time. Uh, Europe is a really sad place uh, at this time. Uh, the the sort of what will become the the uh, Celts are around and. Uh, the, what will become the Germans are around, but uh, they are very primitive at this stage. Pretty much what the same stage as uh, South America or uh, Australia is in. I want to mention one more culture from the Middle East, and it's one of another great mystery of this age: um, the Kingdom of Elam. Elam controls southern Iran the part of Iran that is not the Sagros Mountains. And they have been around forever. This culture is as old as Mesopotamia or Egypt. And we don't know much about them because they've had... Um, they ha- will have some pretty bad experiences later in our podcast. And they seem to have been controlled by women at some point. So women have a, an elevated status in Elam. And the biggest thing Elam is doing at this time, they're probably in somewhat better shape than Babylon and Assyria, but they are keeping the mountain tribes of the Sagros, the Persians, the Manians, the Medes, and all the others. There are plenty of mountain tribes. They're keeping them in check. 
and they are keeping them out of the fertile southern Iranian plain. And that's pretty important because if the mountain tribes get down to the plain and get control of that area, uh, things will go really bad. So, so right now at 1000 BC, it's kind of the, there's really no world power, and it's kind of uh, uh, every you know some some areas are you know more advanced than others, um, but it's really kind of an emerging time uh, of of you know new things are emerging for pretty much everywhere in the world. Is 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 that accurate to say? It's definitely a time of recovery. Uh, they have a long way to go before they can achieve the cultural heights of the 13th century BC, because the world of the 13th century BC was actually quite advanced in the Middle East. But if you ask King Kang in China, he will say that this is a very advanced time and that China is doing great. And if you ask the Olmecs, they don't know of any other civilization in the world, so the Olmecs think they are the masters of the world. They are the only civilization in all of America. All right, well, that's that's really interesting. Uh, thanks, Dan. Uh, wh- one more thing. <laughs> it's um, on the north of Mesopotamia, on the Russian steppes, there is a ferocious uh, Indo-European horse archer people called the Cimmerians. And they are not Conan, but the name of Conan the Barbarian is from Cimmeria. Uh, comes from these people, but they don't have anything in common with that. But they are a huge uh, tribal horse people, and they will make a, a big entrance in our story a little bit later. Uh, there will also be the Scythians. They're pretty much the same thing, but they're not uh, around at this time, uh, close to any civilized people. Okay. Well, that's that's really interesting. Thanks for, for explaining it to everybody including me. Uh, I just want to tell everybody, uh, make sure you check out our, our YouTube channel. Uh, it's Fan of History on YouTube. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. And you can also check out our, our uh, website, which is fanofhistory.wordpress.com. We're also going to have a note to that, uh, link to that also in our show notes. What's going to happen next time, Dan? Next time we're going to start the sort of narrative. So this has set the stage, and we are going to talk about what happens in every decade. So we'll cover the years 999 to 990 BC and see what what the world events were in those years. And one thing about the sources for these events is uh, they are very, very weak. There are like few records. Uh, the years are contested. And actually the first really, uh, the first world event we actually know the, the real date for will happen in 9-11 BC. We can confirm it through astronomy. Okay, so that's almost 100, uh, well, 90, 89 years before uh, before we can actually say this is exactly yes. when this happened. Uh, I will tell you about an event in 925 BC, <clears throat> and in the movie uh, Indiana Jones, The Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, they say that the, this event happened in 980 BC. So this is how uncertain the dating is. You can miss by 65 years or 55 okay. years. Well, yeah, and it's, it is 3,000 years ago, and I'm, I'm sure their record-keeping wasn't like it is today. Not a lot of face, Facebook uh, selfies back then, I'm sure. <laughs> no, you have to write things on stone if you want to preserve them. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to you know subscribe to our podcast and check out our YouTube channel, Fan of History, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching.
and uh, please share this, like this, subscribe to the YouTube channel because your feedback is what keeps us going. If you'll uh, give us an, a review on iTunes, we'll be extremely happy. And if you have any questions, let us know. All right, thanks everyone, bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.